0: We should probably set the stage i guess maybe we talked about it a little bit in our last one this little cobblestone mountain village it's like our windows have like wooden shutters on them and every time i cast them open in the morning i want to be like the opening of beauty and the beast like bonjour bonjour bonjour, 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 bonjour. yeah there goes the baker with this train i, I like bees bees live in colonies fuzzy mcs with a singer for emergencies cooperate to pollinate never work alone just don't bring a
1: honey home to the honeycomb i think i think i've really grown to appreciate this whole area
0: yeah it's super quiet
1: it's really quiet people are really nice
0: it's like a port for the tuscany region i guess it's a pretty big city, what is like 200,000 people or something.
1: It feels much smaller than that, actually.
0: I'm going to pull a Jamie from the Joe Rogan experience and look it up. Survey says 93,000.
1: Yay! Jess is right. That's fine.
0: But Yeah, so we're in La Spezia. We landed in La Spezia. We landed at the train station. And it's kind of like a staging point for backpackers. There's so many backpackers. There's
1: way more backpackers here than we've seen anywhere else in Italy.
0: They're more English-speaking people than Italians. I I would venture to guess that there are more tourists than locals. Yeah. Honestly, if there are under 100,000 locals, I'm willing to bet there are 100,000 tourists at any given time. Actually, maybe 100,000 is a lot.
1: You know, it's kind of like a reinforcing cycle because everybody talks about how much they love northern Italy, but I think it's because when they get here, it feels so comfortable to them because they can speak English. And then it's just like, they tell other people who can only speak English. That, you know, northern Italy is like the place to go. And then that that whole cycle repeats over and over again. Mm. And nobody really explores the south.
0: Well, nobody who can't speak Italian.
1: Yeah, but we can't speak Italian. We explore the south.
0: Yeah, but I think there are lots of Italian tourists that go to the south to visit. Probably to get away from the tourists.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Maybe that's why they were so buttered that we were there. The fuck <laughs> you doing here. This is our sanctuary for yeah. tourists. Lots of people in the Spezia speak English, though. Yeah, every time I speak, there's somebody around that's like, do you prefer English?
1: Yeah, and I'm
0: like, well, yes, but no, like yeah. trying to speak Italian. It has been a great, It has been a great stay, though, from like that little, it's like Alimentaria Traditionale Italiano or something like that, it's like little traditional Italian food store. That we went to and we got some homemade tortellini, like Mm. handmade tortellini. Yeah, which was super good. And the shopkeeper was really nice. And we managed that whole trend. That was here in Vicente Ligre, which is a small village outside of La Spezia. We managed that whole transaction in Italian. Yeah, we did. He was quite forgiving, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. He did know how to tell you that the coffee was strong, though, in English. Strong, yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which coffee? Which coffee should I get? Uh, The more expensive one is stronger, yeah. I believe you. And what else did we get there? We got some produce. We yeah, got some... We got
1: some... Just um, the basics. Milk. Milk. We got some olives. We got some... We got... Oh, we got a beautiful red tomato. Actually, it was green, but then we left it out overnight for and for a day, and it turned bright red. It's mm. amazing.
0: We keep buying heirloom tomatoes, and they're the ones that look like... How would you describe it?
1: Like a puckered butthole
0: turned inside out because they're round yeah (laughs) like a puckered butthole turned inside out Uh uh-huh heirloom tomatoes yep uh and they're so red
1: they're so red red little puckered puckered ones (laughs)
0: they're they're delicious i think in italian they're called like cordobui or something cordobui which i think is bull's heart oh so i think when you were saying that they're like beefsteak tomatoes you were close Interesting. I'm pretty sure that that's what they're called. Um, And we made some fantastic tortellini that night.
1: We did, yeah.
0: Because our our Airbnb host was so sweet. Oh, and she's been amazing. We We haven't really talked about this Airbnb that much, I guess. But this place has five stars on Airbnb, which I've been high grading. I've been actively looking for places with five stars. I mean, when we got here and she gave us the tour, she's like, oh, and there's in the cupboard, there's like some pasta and some basic tomato sauce in case you came here with nothing and
1: We're like, Yep, yep, yeah, we sure did. We
0: definitely haven't been travelling around with a bag of groceries. Yeah. (laughs) Good thinking.
1: But we did end up going to that store that you were mentioning and getting a whole bunch of stuff so that when we did come back and make food Mm -hmm. was so good. Yeah, you were so worried it was seafood tortellini.
0: Oh, yeah, because it smelled fishy when I was boiling it. And then I was like, oh, my God, is, it, is fish tortellini a thing? And then I looked online, and fish tortellini is actually a thing from this specific region of Italy. So yeah, because just me, they're, like,
1: they're so famous for their anchovies. Oh,
0: yeah, freaking anchovies everywhere. Would you like some salted anchovies, some fried anchovies? So I was petrified that these were anchovy tortellini, but they turned out to have that uh, local sausage in them. Just so I went to a restaurant, though, it's like the only – basically the only restaurant in town, and it's called Osteria della Pietra. We showed up at 7, 7 p.m. when it opens, and most people in Italy, or well, in Europe, don't eat until like 8 or 9. So we knew that they should have room for us, but when we got there, the guy was like, don't you have a reservation? And uh, we did not because we did not, no. we're obnoxious travelers and we just think everybody has room for us.
1: Yeah, and he was just like, okay, well, I can seat you, but you have to leave by 8.30. Yeah. And we're like, an hour and a half? Yeah,
0: that's yeah, we can th- that. That sounds
1: it. about you know the same time limit that we get in Cal or in Canada for any reservation that we make. Anyways, so
0: we don't like talking. That sounds good. Yeah, we don't like talking to each other after dinner. Like yeah, you we just want to eat
1: and drink and then just get the fuck out of and there. And then go
0: back to our social media feeds and ignoring each other, like
1: <laughs> like a regular couple.
0: Yeah, it it is kind of painful actually to get the bill here. You just you wait and then you wait. And then you wait, even if they're like, would you like a coffee? You're like, no. Then they're like, okay, I presume you just want to sit in silence and stare at the table then. Like, I will still not bring your bill. (laughs) The alternative to coffee is leaving. Bring me my fucking check. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's nice, though. Nice not to be rushed.
1: But that's like customary everywhere else except for North America, apparently. To, like, just, like, sit and chat after a meal.
0: Like, when I first started having dinner with your mom. Yeah. After dinner, she made tea, and I was, like, so socially anxious. I was like, so we're just going to sit now? I have to stay at the table? I'm done my food. Uh, my
1: which... mom, like, brought over, like, fruit and stuff.
0: Yeah, I was like, we already ate. Um, yeah, I want but... to go now.
1: But you've slowly adapted.
0: Yeah, it was tough, though. Like, you don't realize how much sort of in our culture after dinner everybody scatters, but there's so much pressure on you to finish your dinner like if we were allowed to we would have scattered before we finished our dinner all through growing up it was like no you sit here until your dinner's finished so i would have this go anxiety of counting down to the last bite as though it was like a starter pistol and that over the years in a pavlovian sense got me super like programmed do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to leave the table as soon as the food's done, so I had to overcome those like decades of programming to be like, I'm done, and I still can't leave. So like, body, calm down. I know we think it's go time.
1: Yeah, but it's not.
0: But it's not. Uh, it was nice though. It's it was like a lesson in being present.
1: Yeah.
0: And sitting down and chatting with your mom turned out to be really fulfilling because she's uh, nice to talk to about things. Yep. Yeah. And and I also discovered green tea which has saved my life. Yeah, seriously though.
1: Yeah. I think that's the only reason why you even stuck around. Was my mom was just like, "Okay, just have one glass of tea that very first time after dinner." And then you had it and you're like, "This is this is really good. <laughs> I like
0: this." Yeah. Jasmine green tea is bay. That's, is that a that's did I I
1: don't know if that's a thing anymore.
0: But did, did I use it right?
1: Yeah, you did. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Right on. <laughs> But it's so astounding to me that this year when I was talking to the MBA class mm. um, at UBC before we left on this trip, there somebody was like, how do you get over burnout? And like, you must work such crazy hours as a management consultant and like – how do you, how do you push through when you got nothing left? And I was like, like,
1: basically, like, what do you do for your mental health was the question? Yeah, What do you do
0: for your mental health?
1: Yeah. How do you make sure that you have like proper boundaries set? How do you make sure that you're not overworking yourself? And Chris was like, I don't, I just drink green tea.
0: Yeah. Jasmine green tea. And like the Asian students in the class were just like, yep. Like nodding. Like, yeah, I get it. I get yeah. it. Um, but really though, it, it's kind of funny if I can go down a rabbit hole on a little story I actually think that it's like a medication I think it's an under appreciated medication for ADD because I started drinking it with Jess's mom and for whatever reason I was you, know, you can make fun of me for wanting to leave right away but it enabled me to actually stay to focused your mind yeah and like whether it was comfortable or not I was mm. able to sit there and have a conversation which is something that like wouldn't have really been possible right and then when I like was doing the MBA, and I would drink it at night because it didn't have as much caffeine in it as coffee, but it would help keep me focused because it was a hot drink. I was drinking it at night to study and read to get through my work, and the next morning I would have some left over, so I would drink it with cold water, and then sitting in class drinking my chilled green tea, I realized I could concentrate so much better and like stay present and focused on what I was trying to watch and follow in class, and... It genuinely has been, like, a life hack for me ever since. It's, like, I think it's the L-theanine, but maybe there's something else in it, the antioxidants or something. Mm. But really, it, it actually has changed my life. It's crazy. Yeah. Maybe we should, instead of prescribing Ritalin, we should put kids on, like, green tea regimens. It's, like, holistic ADD therapy. Not holistic. Naturopath- naturopathic ADD therapy. So there you go. Um, Is ADD mostly, like, a Western phenomenon? Is, is there a lot of ADD diagnoses in Southeast Asia?
1: I don't know I feel like the ADD kind of gets beat out of the children like from an early age like there's so much structure and there's so much like punishment around like not actually doing the things that you're supposed to do that it just like I don't know kids either just have to learn to deal with it on their own or honestly like I've never heard of an ADD diagnosis in Asia unless it's like extremely bad.
0: So maybe it's being beaten out of the children or maybe it's the tea. <laughs> maybe it's both. I personally can attest to beating not being enough on its own because they tried that with me too. It, no don't work. You just <laughs> if you got a real strong case of the ad hoods you just you just keep going at it.
1: Yeah 80 HDs yeah
0: yeah the ad hoods.
1: yeah no, eight zero.
0: ADHD's
1: yeah
0: sounds like a drug or a missile oh the number 80 hell demon
1: oh okay yeah that's that's where your brain goes okay
0: you know why because I've been reading so much on the the conflict in Eastern Europe
1: Uh. we
0: actually haven't talked about that this whole time but I saw a post of some Russian like cardinals from the Russian Orthodox Church blessing a giant missile like, a giant missile, like, the size of a semi-truck. And there was three, like, cardinals of the, the Orthodox Russian church, like, blessing it with holy water, you know, shaking a stick at it or whatever. And the caption said, Russian Orthodox ministers bless a rocket named Satan. And I was like, that's, that's really poignant. Yeah. If, if it's true. Right, if it's true, like I'm conscious that that came through my social media feed. Like it's a kind of story that's so sensational that people are just like, "Oh my god!" and they share it without asking whether it actually happened. Mm. I like. I'm gonna hope it did. I I think it's really funny. You know, you're not entertained by this.
1: No, I'm entertained. What? I just like looking at you, and I like that you're looking at me. <laughs> And and in this light, your eyes look so blue green, and it's so mesmerizing.
0: The skies are reflecting off them.
1: Mmm.
0: Oh, that's very sweet.
1: I'm just getting lost in your eyes
0: as I talk about like war crimes. Yeah, Aww.
1: me with a big smile on my face, just like you're doing such a good job. <laughs>
0: you know what that reminds me of? It yeah. like. If the tables were turned and you as the girl were like, yeah, like my, my childhood was so traumatic and I felt so neglected and like, why are you smiling at me? And I'm like, your boobs are just like so nice.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: That's what you were doing to me.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I was very, very much sexualizing
0: you, objectifying, maybe not sexualizing. You're objectifying me. No,
1: it wasn't.
0: Hey, um, yeah, we have seen seen some evidence of like political activism here in Italy when yeah we, when we were in Rome there was a sign spray-painted on a wall that said Italy out of NATO and I remember thinking that that's definitely from social media propaganda like there's literally no benefit to Italy getting out of NATO it wasn't like Italy get out of the EU it was just like get out of the military defense alliance Which seems a little dodgy. I bet if we went east to Greece and, like, closer to Turkey's borders, I bet there'd be more and more of that stuff.
1: Asking for the country to get out of NATO?
0: Yeah, just, like, to get away from Western alignment and more toward Eastern alignment. Wow. Because that's, like, I don't know if you think about it, but that's the axis that we're on is, like, the division of Eastern influence and Western influence. Like, we're at the fault line just about. Like, we're just at the foothills of the fault line in Italy, but if we were to go to, like, Cyprus or Turkey, I mean, Turkey is basically the fault line, and there's a bunch of, like, Antifa stuff, and there's quite a bit of political spray paint. Thoughts, comments? No. No. No perspectives on that.
1: No, I agree with you.
0: It did surprise me, though.
1: It, It definitely surprised me.
0: Yeah, I don't want to go down a dark rabbit hole talking about how much social media is destroying the world that's not fun for people <laughs> I kind of honestly though I kind of expected to see more evidence of the conflict like more oh, visible awareness of it or more like engagement with it more support like we've seen the odd Ukraine flag
1: I mean I took a picture of that um that one bookstore do you remember when I stopped in La Spezia there's one bookstore that had four books right in the middle like right at eye level where you could see like a book about like all of Putin's wars and like the rise and fall or whatever and then like, the the one about Zelensky
0: yeah how then, how Zelensky's changed war forever
1: yeah something because like of
0: his it. like social media approach
1: yeah and then yeah and then the other one about just like war in general beside it and it was really interesting to see because it's like little tiny protests are happening right putting like Putin and Zelensky books like right beside one another just to see like which one would what
0: they each emphasize
1: yeah what, what they each emphasize
0: you know part of why maybe we're not seeing more is that like the culture here it really doesn't have a big internet culture like I think we talked about before but it's palpable on the street like we were waiting for the bus in Les Spezia the other day and people like kids on the street were just like hanging out together and talking to each other nobody was staring at their phone yeah it kind of settles in, like, it it felt like the 90s. It genuinely, I know you don't remember, Jess, because you were, like, four, but that's what the 90s felt like. Everybody was living in real life. Like, everybody was You're
1: saying that as though I also just, like, was born with a cell phone in my hand.
0: (laughs) Maybe not when you were a kid, but when you were an adolescent, everybody had cell phones. When I was yeah. an adolescent, they didn't.
1: Yeah, no, but, that's that true. That is a difference. Right, but, you know, even while I was still, like, in my early, like, from from when I could hang out with my friends to maybe high school, I, I didn't even really get a cell phone until I was halfway through high school. Before that, I had, like, an iPod Touch that I could message people off of.
0: But were you the only one of your friends that didn't have a cell phone?
1: Pretty much, but... That's not to say that, like, I didn't have friends who would knock on my door every night and, like, we'd just go walking or we'd just, like, hang out.
0: Really? They would knock on your door? They yeah. Would, they wouldn't, like, message you first and I mean, like, hey, I'm going to knock on there your
1: There were some people who would call because they were, like, distanced away, but I had, like, friends who were my neighbors. Like, I had old friends. They would just knock on my door and they'd just be like, can you hang out? Can you go for a bike ride? Like, can you like, scoot around? Because we all had little tiny scooters.
0: The little two-wheel trick scooters. Yeah,
1: yeah, the ones that fucking broke your ankles any time that something bad happened.
0: I don't know. I literally have never stepped on one because they were so far after my time.
1: Ah, right. Well, but, for anyone who's listening who understands, yeah. The ones that just snap your ankle in half if you accidentally twist it wrong. Um,
0: puts our ages in perspective. Because I remember being at skate parks, like, where everybody either was on a skateboard or on a BMX and starting to see those little scooters make appearances, everybody that had them was like nine. (laughs) Really. It was like just viewed as like such a little kid toy.
1: Yeah.
0: That's weird. Yeah, it's weird. And these people started doing tricks with them and I guess those nine-year-olds grew up. Yep. Looking at one right now. (laughs) Creepy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it really has been like going back in time. Mm. it's been so encouraging I was, when I was talking to Ryan the other day talking to my brother the other day I was saying that this little village that we're in reminds me so much of Harrison Hot Springs but like of when we were kids because it's just so green and so peaceful and just kids running around and all the old people know each other and it's like refreshing and not even refreshing like rejuvenating just being here mm. the birds flying through the trees and every single person says hello when you walk by and they know we're tourists like we don't look local like no, I'm, yeah i'm blonde jess is chinese everybody else here is neither of those things and everybody's so nice to us on the street even like knowing that they'll probably never see us again yeah it's like sera giorno salve, salve. Ciao. yeah it's so nice
1: yeah
0: um, when we lived in harrison hot springs across the street from us there was a family of italians and i think it was just their summer home because they would only like in the summers there'd be these big like family barbecues there but they were behind the, all these hedges you couldn't mm. see into their yard it was just like this big house and you could hear them speaking italian and they had these apricot trees all the way around their yard on the inside of the hedges and we used to like pick the apricots and eat them because uh, we were poor um <laughs> but it's so weird now seeing basically where they came from and understanding why they appreciated that place, excuse me, why they appreciated that place and why they cultivated their yard to look like that with fruit trees around it and hedges Mm. and like that house, you could lift it and transplant it here and it would totally fit. It would
1: just fit. Yeah. It's
0: so weird growing up in a little town that had so many tourists or so many people who emigrated from other parts of the world. Each one of those little homes was basically a relic or a sample of whatever geography it came from like that's so cool culturally
1: it's like um it's like driving down what is it grandview highway and seeing those like random little blips of just like very greek looking homes like a little fountain and like a berry tree or like a fruit tree of some sort and then they've got like two little like white marble statues of of like gods and that's kind of like what it is what we're talking about here where you can just literally pick that house up, move it, and probably see that in, like, a local village in Greece.
0: I wonder if, if we were to do that, like, pick up our Canadian house and drop it somewhere like China and just let the lawn overgrow, have a rusted car in the driveway, some McDonald's wrappers lying around. It would be like, wow, what a perfect exemplar of North American culture. I mean... Tim Hortons cups.
1: Probably. Cigarette
0: butts. <laughs> probably.
1: I was going to say it actually would probably fit in because we have a box in the sky and everywhere in China, you live in a box in the sky and that's your house.
0: Oh, you mean a condo?
1: Yeah. You're just like, pick up our Canadian house. I'm like, our Canadian house is an apartment. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: A three-dimensional space above the earth.
1: Yeah.
0: I wonder how our place is doing.
1: It's fine. <laughs> it's a house.
0: <laughs> our... Uh... <laughs> Our Irish guests will have only been there just under three weeks, I guess.
1: Which is crazy to me, because it feels like we've been gone for like three months.
0: I wonder if, you know, I felt guilty because I didn't tell them that there's like a lot of traffic noise outside the bedroom at night. But I wonder if they came from a city somewhere else and they're just like, expect that. Did they come from Dublin? I don't remember where they came from.
1: Um, they said that they did like a big trip before they came to Vancouver, so I don't know. I think she's originally from Dublin, and he's originally from the country, I think.
0: Speaking of Dublin, we are thinking about our UK trip after France, which is way, way out. But because we ran into a little hiccup with our visa that um, proved to be a little bit vexing, maybe, is the right?
1: Yeah, we're not allowed to stay in Europe anymore after 90 days. Yeah. And we originally planned for six months in Europe, or five to six months in Europe. So that's a,
0: it's a bit of a kick. Yeah. In the old low-hanging fruit.
1: Yeah. We looked up whether or not we needed a visa for Italy. It said no. And then we looked up whether or not we needed Canadians needed a visa to enter into Europe, and it said no. And so I didn't look that one up. We just did that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We looked at the countries individually and each one was like, if you're a Canadian passport holder, you don't need a you visa. You don't need a visa. And did not realize that there was like a macro limitation on how long you can stay for yeah. it within a six month period. It's yeah. a max of three months in a six month period.
1: And then you have to wait for a full 180-day period. So basically like 90 days in country and then 90 days out of country.
0: Or Is that right? After 180 days from your first day in the Schengen zone. It, it resets. It resets. Right. It, exactly.
1: So basically we're doing 90 days. We've already planned 90 days out. The first
0: um, three months here. The in
1: first three months here.
0: Italy because, and...
1: Yeah. Yeah. In Italy in Spain and in France and we were expecting to go to the UK after that for a month pop back into Portugal then go to Greece but with the way that things are looking it looks like we're not able to go to Portugal or Greece unless we get something figured out
0: or or unless we leave the Schengen zone for two months after the UK yeah because that would take us to 180 days And then come back to Portugal. And then come back
1: to Portugal and Greece.
0: But that would be...
1: But that would be in the colder months. Yeah,
0: that would be in, like, November that we'd be back. If we left for September and October and came back in November. Yeah. It's actually been a lot more complicated than expected trying to navigate through this. Like, you basically have to be in Canada to apply for a Schengen zone visa, which seems unnecessarily obstructive. Like, why? What's the benefit? Like, what's... I, I really don't understand.
1: Yeah, it really uh, only helps people who plan ahead and not people like us.
0: Well, we did plan ahead. We just, (laughs) when we looked it up, it seemed favorable. Yeah. It wasn't clearly stated because we were only looking one country at a time at what the rules were. Yeah. But even if we did extend our visa, like, we've been spending, like, drunken sailors in Italy. And I don't know (laughs) that, like, even if we wanted to, like, I don't, Portugal, I've heard, is quite affordable. Greece, I suspect, is not. I, especially for like a couple weeks, I bet Greece yeah. is super pricey. Yeah.
1: Um, if we don't do Greece this trip, I'd actually be okay with that. But from what I hear from so many different people, Portugal is, is like a place that you shouldn't miss. Yeah. So if we can do Portugal, I'd really appreciate that.
0: We can still manage it so that we can do 10 days in Portugal mm-hmm. on our way to Southeast Asia. Yep. Maybe it makes sense if we're going to do that to make it like a resort. If if we know it's only gonna be like a week or ten days,
1: to do like an all inclusive, so that we don't have to worry about food. (laughs) Yeah, just
0: we we just like budget it in and be like, okay, we've got a thousand bucks for ten days. Let's do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe we'd be able to find something like that. I don't know.
0: I bet we could i bet yeah, we could
1: yeah, and then look into it.
0: we just leave france a little early because yeah. the the way that it's going now we would have six days available in our visa free status as canadians in europe yeah so if we leave france four extra days early then we would have 10 days available in the schengen zone before yeah. having to depart and then as long as we don't have any layovers on our way out of the eu or we get arrested because we've overstayed <laughs> our visa yeah we're officially like illegal immigrants I love how they're like, oh, there's, like, like they think that Canadians are desperate to get to, like, Europe on the brink of World War Three and, like, the collapse of the EU. <laughs> like, it's like we're fleeing, we're fleeing Vancouver for a better life in Europe as it falls apart.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, those... It's
1: interesting that it's 90 days, though. Three months, honestly, doesn't feel like enough to explore all of Europe. But I guess people probably are forced, then, to do it for less.
0: Well, it's, it's... Not that you can't go for more than ninety days. It's that anything beneath ninety days is considered casual, Mm. and anything above ninety days is like, well, now it's a trip, and you should probably like, you know, apply to formalize it.
1: And you and I were just like, let's just fly by the seat of our pants. Let's
0: just do a casual six months. Yeah, let's do
1: cash six months in Europe, and then you know we'll see where we go from there.
0: For for anybody who hasn't been paying attention. Uh, immigration really has been quite a hot issue in Europe, especially in the EU and the Schengen zone over the last few years. There have been a lot of crises around migrants coming in and it's a Mm. political third rail, like you touch it and you get zapped. Right. And uh, immigration was one of the reasons why the UK wanted to leave the EU because Mm. they had a standardized immigration policy for all of Europe. Like the white people in the UK are the native people and they were like, are like, cultural heritage is being diluted, which is, you know, I mean, you hear that come from a lot of different ethnic groups around the world, and it's not quite, it doesn't sound quite as bad, but that was basically it. They were like, we're kind of losing our our historical cultural identity, and we're unhappy with it, and the rest of Europe doesn't seem to give a shit, so we're going to leave. Man. I mean, if the First Nations people in Canada could have done that, don't you think they would have? You know what? We're feeling... A lot less indigenous and a lot more white lately. Can we please slow down the European immigration? I could see them saying that, and nobody would have been upset. Well, the white people would have been upset, but go ahead. I know you, you got a lot to say. No,
1: it's okay. I'm not going to get too political.
0: All right. Well, this has been Chris and Jess's Awkward Hour. <laughs> Tune back in tomorrow when we discuss abortion policy. <laughs> <laughs> Jess is pro and I'm con. I look forward to getting divorced. Just kidding. About the last bit and the bit before that. <laughs> I feel like we've still left some stuff out about Oh, We didn't even talk about Cinque Terre.
1: Yeah. So we got two Cinque Terre passes and 48,
0: we, 48 hour passes. 48
1: hour passes for the 16th and the 17th. And it was a lot of fun. And it they, was really, really cute.
0: They included train travel.
1: Yeah. And both of the Cinque Terre park passes included train, including bathroom usage, because it's usually one euro per person. And usually, like the train stuff is five euro and, oh, and hiking trails. The, the two hiking trails that are usually free ended up getting a landslide, like something something about a landslide happened and blocked off the trails so we're, we weren't even allowed to walk on those trails. And so we had to pay for the hiking trails that we did go on, which was just one from Cornelia to Vernazza. So the hiking trail was included in the pass It ended up being like 66 euro for the two of us, and... It was a lot of fun. The first day we ended up going to Cornelia, which is the smallest of all five. We walked around, it was really, really cute, really quaint, and then we, that took about maybe like five minutes. (laughs) And then we decided to go on the hiking trail from Cornelia to Vernazza, because it said that it was going to take about an hour and a half. So that was actually probably one of the shorter trails that was available to us, so we ended up taking that one while we walked on that trail the whole time chris was just like oh man like if i lived here i would run this trail every single morning and it was actually really really cool we've got footage of that trail in certain parts and it
0: was super rocky and uneven and like dynamic and yeah i it was it was fun i liked yeah. it yeah
1: and it was right along the coast and it's called the blue trail because it's right along the water so you can actually see everything But it was freaking hot out that day and the sun was just like beating on us. There was barely any shade um, because it was so coastal. I ended up making it, which is great. Not saying that I don't end up actually finishing my hikes, which I do. But I ended up getting heat stroke (laughs) because of it. And when we got to Vernazza, Chris was amazing. And, you know, he let me sit down in a shady place Um, had my back up against some cool rocks and he got me some water, got us some fried calamari, got me some gelato, which was amazing.
0: And also nice and cold.
1: And it was nice and cold. Yeah. And then we ended up taking the train all the way back because I just, I just couldn't handle it. And so I ended up laying down and then I woke up, had some wonderful, wonderful dinner that Chris made. And... That was day one. So basically, we did a hiking trail. We visited two of Cinque Terre towns, two of the Terres. I got heat stroke. Chris was feeling lovely, made dinner, and...
0: Put some red wine. Got, like, a bottle of Chianti for six euro from the grocery store in La Spezia, and, like, added a splash of that, and some, like, that local sausage, which basically tastes like tortellini filling for anybody who, like, has had tortellini and it's made locally here it's just like a pork sausage Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I made this delicious pasta with sausage and with the added some um, Chianti wine to the tomato sauce and Mm, fresh parsley parsley, that we got and it was pretty fucking good
1: yeah it was delicious it was was super super good and I happened to wake up from my nap eat some food get some food in me drink lots of water and then pass right back out and then the second morning we had originally planned to wake up really, really early at like 7 a.m. to catch the 8 a.m. bus so that we could get a um, place on. It's the only town or village of all five that has a accessible beach. So not just like a bunch of rocks to sit on where you can jump into the water and then climb back up on, but it was actually like a, like a pebble sand beach where you can actually lay out so usually that beach is pretty packed and a lot of the tourists end up getting there for around like 10 11 ish so I really wanted to get there early but because I had heat stroke the previous night I ended up saying that we really needed to take it slow so we ended up leaving at around 9:45 and got into Cinque Terre for got into Mount Rosso for around 11 o'clock. So it, the beach was already kind of busy, but not as busy as I expected. And we ended up finding this place underneath this, what was it? like a?
0: It was like a deck. It was like a veranda with changing rooms on top of it. Right, yeah. And underneath it was just like shaded and like clean sand. And it was about five feet off the beach so it just had this perfect spot where the sun meet the shade where we posted up with our towels. Yeah
1: we stayed there for like a couple of hours like two three hours or something like that.
0: Yeah like three hours maybe even four hours honestly we were there for a long time.
1: Yeah we were there for a long time.
0: Read the Um, kindle.
1: Read the kindle.
0: Jumped in the the glass clear blue water.
1: Yeah so amazing. So nice. So gorgeous and it was so nice out. We ended up taking it were slow because i was super worried about getting heat stroke again but it was amazing we got some tanning in got some reading in like chris said and at this point Both of us were starving because when we got there at 11, we were just like, ah, we don't need lunch yet. Let's just actually get some food when we're hungry. And by this time, we'd already been like walking around for close to an hour. Um, (laughs) We were pretty starving. And there was this tiny little hole in the wall place with a bunch, like maybe like four or five, like two person seats outside that had a billboard up of sandwiches, five sandwiches, Um, for each five of the towns with different types of like seafood combinations so there was like an octopus one a cod one a shrimp one Anchovies. anchovies and another anchovy one of some sort yeah and we sat down and this german lady came out and was just like telling us all about the menu they had breakfast there, which Chris was like, man, if we like stayed in this little town, this would be the exact place that I would want to go to every single morning, which was really awesome. And we ended up ordering sandwiches. Chris got one that was the shrimp one, right? Yeah. And then I got one with cod, and they were probably the best little fish sandwiches we'd had in a long time.
0: Yeah, the one that I had was like, it was it was supposed to come with roe and shrimp, and it had this like zucchini aioli, which was like an egg sauce with zucchini kind of blended into it and it was freaking unreal i got it without the roe because i would have vomited but the the german owner of the little shop was like oh for sure you can have it without row that's mm-hmm. the most expensive part i would love to give it to you without <laughs> row.
1: Um,
0: but I, a lot of the stuff in there was handmade and we had some delicious lemon cake for dessert and i had some amaretto cake that was mm-hmm. also handmade and we liked it so much we stuck around for coffee yep
1: Just, oh and i had a limoncello spritz which was oh, yeah. amazing
0: yeah limoncello spritz was something Definitely to have again. Yeah. And I haven't forgotten Ed. I'm still going to have another Negroni before we leave Italy. Probably, just,
1: just, just Chris though.
0: Probably Chris. in Venice. Yeah. Not Jess because she gets shit-faced off of like, one Negroni. <laughs> um.
1: Yeah.
0: That was that was a a great trip. Yeah, and, and it was t- a great find. Took. Yeah, and, and I wish I could remember the name of it because I would like to shout them out. Maybe I can post a website or something. Mm. But they spoke English, German, Italian. Spanish, Like, mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, it was a great little spot. Great little spot. And our server was so excited that we were there, and he was so kind to us when we were leaving. Mm-hmm. And there was this American couple sitting right behind Jess, so across from me behind Jess at, oh, at, yeah. at the other table. And they had just come in from trekking. You could tell they were hot. They were sweaty. They were a little bit agitated. Yeah. And it was, like, a young man and an older lady. I'm pretty sure it was his mom. And he was, yeah. like, the kept 20-something son who hadn't left home yet. They had a little bit of money, clearly, and she comes in. She's like, why can't I just – like, why are there only sandwiches? Why can't I just get – I just want, like, a parfait, like, asking our server. Like, can you just do fruit? Like, can can I just have a fruit salad? Can I just have, like, strawberries with whipping cream? Do you have whipping cream? I'd like to dip strawberries in whipping cream. Uh, Can we do, like, a wine tour? Like, can somebody tell us about all the different wines? And it was so disgusting. They were so obviously (laughs) American. I'm sorry to say it. But I was just like, oh my god, these people are so fucking high maintenance. And yeah, it, it, just it,
1: trying to order everything off menu.
0: And so aggressively in English, and it, it forced me, it like moved me to speak in Italian just to differentiate us from these clear like mm. arrogant tourists. So I started, I started ordering in Italian just to feel like I wasn't them. And then sure enough, as they're doing their little wine tasting, she's like, oh, my uncle had a vineyard in Northern California? And I was like, Boom, the penny drops.
1: <laughs> Fucking
0: Americans, I knew it. Not that there's anything wrong with Americans in general. Just, you know, there are certain stereotypes about American travelers that...
1: Uh, that just happened to come true that day. That hold day. up.
0: It, it was good, though, because I think that was part of why that our server was so appreciative of, yeah. of us. When we're just like, what kind of dessert do you recommend? He's like, this is yeah. handmade, you should yeah. try it. Yeah, he's just
1: like, this one's my favorite. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I just had this earlier yeah. today, and we're like, we'll
1: have that. And yeah. just
0: being kind... Man, they were so obnoxious.
1: Yeah. Just super, super dismissive, too.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: oh, you don't have peaches? Okay, well, what do you have? Yeah. Strawberries? Okay, well, then I'll just get a cup of strawberries.
0: And so aggressively yeah. in English. Yeah. And just, like... Yeah, it was it was tough. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if people can tell that we're not American or if they just think that we're like oddly nice Americans.
1: <laughs> Maybe, I don't know.
0: Like yesterday when I went to there's little grocery trucks that come up into our tiny little mountain village. They'll like post up in the morning and open the the doors like the the side of the the box truck opens up and they'll have all this produce or cheeses and meats inside and I did some shopping there yesterday. I was ordering and the a local guy beside me he turned to me and he was like inglese like you speak english and i was like yeah but not american canadian (laughs) i just i do that every time now yeah
1: Yeah. instinctively
0: instinctively yeah but i i feel like if you need to say it then you shouldn't bother saying it because either you're nice or you're not Mm. you don't really need to like describe the part of world the part of the world that you're from it's like yeah it doesn't matter it just matters if you're a dick or not yeah and just like don't be a dick and people won't assume that you're a, a dick, dick.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> it's that simple yeah. welcome to the world travel 101 yeah
1: don't be a dick otherwise people think you're a dick <laughs> <That's>... uh <yeah. laughs> makes sense makes sense but yeah we ended up doing all cinque of the teres yeah, so we did all five yeah it was we saved the best for last best experience for last yeah, And I didn't get heat stroke again, which was fantastic. And I feel actually pretty great. Feeling blessed for every single day that I don't have a raging migraine or feel extremely dehydrated. So grabbing life by the balls now, safely, with a hat on and sunscreen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. I don't, I don't know a better way to describe getting old. I'm grabbing life by the balls with a hat on and sunscreen.
1: And yeah, a two-liter bottle of water.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, so I can choose. This is our last full day in Vettano Ligre. It's been really nice. It's honestly been so refreshing to be here for six days. We spent a few days just not doing anything, like for the first time on the trip, just being like, you know what, let's not fucking do anything today. And then the next day being like, you know what, let's not do anything yeah. today. <laughs> it's been really uh, rejuvenating. Yeah. And so but today we have to do our laundry and uh, actually immediately here so that it has time to dry on our little drying racks. And then we will pack up, and we've got to get out of here pretty early tomorrow morning and head off to Padua, uh, where we'll visit Venice and visit the university where Jess's dad stayed and have some exciting new adventures. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you.
1: Thank you very much for joining us this morning.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful day. I hope everybody out there is having a beautiful day. And we will catch you on the flip-flop.
1: Oh, dear. Okay, bye. <laughs> That's
0: from The Office. You love The Office. <laughs> I do
1: love, love The Office. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Cooperate to pollinate,
1: never work alone. Just don't bring a honey home to the honeycomb.
0: Catch you on the flippity flop. That's what he says. Mm. Right?
1: Mm-hmm.